Hello and welcome back to Lights on Mental Health. I am Shayna. This is our podcast where we explore mental health, mental well-being in entertainment and the creative arts industry. And before we get into today's ep- into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new redesigned website. Would love for you to go take a look at it, www.therapeuticbridges.com. There is a links section there, and in the links section, you can click a button to record an episode of this podcast with me if you are interested. Welcome you to do that. There's also a link for a free process group that I hold for creatives on the first and third Friday of every month. So you can sign up there. Once you sign up, you'll be given the link for attendance. And we also have merchandise. So on our links page, you can also find a button where it will connect you with our merchandise page. So you can buy some fun stuff to help support our mission and spread the word. So today on today's episode, episode five, I spoke with Jay Eyre. Jay Eyre was connected to me through a mutual uh, friend, a a coworker, ex-coworker of mine, ex-colleague. And Jay Eyre has a really interesting story. Uh, She grew up in South Los Angeles and was a child actress and entertainer. Uh, And now in her adulthood, she continues to uh, do entertainment type work, but also is a life executive and relationship coach and also a practicing therapist. And she is getting her uh, master's degree in psychology currently. So she is doing a lot of amazing things and has a really great perspective in terms of the intersection between the entertainment world and the mental health world. I hope that you enjoy today's episode and be looking out and and looking for all these little nuggets that JR gives us in terms of enhancing mental well-being. So let's get into episode five with JR. Hello. Hello. Hi, Jair. How are you? Hi, Shana. I'm great. Super excited to um to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know everyone has super busy schedules, so it just it means a lot for you to take the time and come on to share a little bit about yourself and your your thoughts and feelings about uh, the topic. So we're going to be talking about mental health in the entertainment industry. Um, And I'm really excited to hear your perspective and thoughts and ideas because I know you sort of straddle both worlds, which is a really cool perspective. Um, So yeah, I'm so happy to have you here. How are you? I'm good. I'm just, I'm super excited um, to be here um, and to be able to speak to both of those sides um, of, of my identity. Um, and myself. Yeah. So um, it's great to be able to to bridge that gap because I do yeah. bridge 
the the creative arts um, into my work as a as a coach and a psychotherapist as well. So it's nice to be able to talk about that. Oh, awesome. I feel like in terms of, of this project and this topic, you you have so many superpowers that you can bring to, to the industry, the, the both respective industries. It's really great. So no, don't make me blush talking about superpowers. <laughs> <and all. laughs> hey, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, you know, to be a therapist, first of all, I think you have to have some superpowers. And I think to be in the, the entertainment industry, you have to have a certain level of superpowers. So yeah. you just yeah. you just got all the superpowers. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, <laughs> take, I'll take all of that good energy in and I, I will take it. I will take, take it. it. Take it. We, we need more of it. So, so yeah, let's just like jump right in. And um, if you can start off by just telling me or in the audience a little bit about yourself and, and if you're comfortable, kind of all the ways in which you identify who is Jair? Well, there are so many different facets to my identity. (laughs) And I think I told you before, like, I love, I love this question. Um, Just because people don't, people don't ask. Um, So um, let's see, where should I, where shall I start? Um, I am a black cisgender female, but um, I'm also multiracial. So um, Black, Native American, Swedish, and Irish, but um, my Blackness in this world, that's my experience, um, is as a Black woman. So um, pronouns, she, her, hers, queen, goddess, um, and I will now add superhero to that. Yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Um, LGBTQIA plus, ally and advocate, um, BDSM kink, polyamorous, affirmative, um, I am Christian, I'm spiritual, um, I'm creative and intellectual, a free spirit, so many things, so many things. And, yeah. and I guess I'm a Los Angeles native. I'll say that because we are a rare breed, it seems. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's awesome. I love how you just ran with that conversation. Thank you so much for being so gracious and sharing all of that with us. Um, you really painted a great picture of of your identity and, and you're right it is such an interesting uh question that I, I don't think it's asked enough yeah. and it's something that I'm I am really interested in in terms of identity and intersectionality and the parts of us that are that you know you can see on the surface level and the parts of us that exist like kind of deeper inside and yeah. um I think as, yeah as like a therapist I've seen well and as a person as a complex person myself I've just seen the way that kind of identity struggles uh, can play out and cause, you know, psychosocial distress or interrelational issues and things like that. So thanks yeah. for, for answering that question so openly. People often want to place people in very specific and limiting categories. Um, mm-hmm. And that often takes away from the complexity and the, the beautiful nature of who we are. Um, mm-hmm. In all of our identities so I completely agree with that um, yeah and I'm glad you bring that bring that question to the to the surface yeah issue yeah. so tell us a little bit about what what do you do so I know you you know we talked about how you kind of span both industries so if you can walk us through you know what what do you do and how did you come to do what you do 
So this is this is funny because I actually feel like I'm the perfect picture example of what like people in LA do with the, like multiple jobs, <laughs> especially like the creatives. You always hear about the creatives who is also like a waitress or you know has totally. on all these different things. Um, totally. But I've been in the creative industry since I was a child. Um, but there's always been more to me than just my artistry, right? Um, and I honestly feel I would have cheated myself and all the people I get to help and serve now if I was consumed only with one of my passion, uh, uh, one of my passions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, I went to acting school at age eight. So um, that tells you how early I kind of started in the arts. Wow. Uh, um, so I grew up acting, dancing, singing, modeling, did print and runway. Um, so the creative arts has always been, been a part of me. Um, and it still is, right? So even on my intellectual side, <laughs> I, I bridged that gap. I've had a career in marketing spanning over 10 plus years. Oh, wow. Um, and I work as a now as a life career um, relationship coach at Hatley Coaching and Consulting. Um, and I'm also a psychotherapist. So um, I'm clinically trained. I see both individuals and couples um, as an MFT trainee at a clinic in Los Angeles. Um, I'm a master's in psychology candidate and as different as all those careers may seem, they all, you know, um, surprisingly involve uh, a unique ability, ability to really empathize, connect, um, with others and foster strong relationships and ultimately like ensure strategic goals are met. Like even as a performer, right? Like there's an intention to connect and convey a certain emotion, um, or a message to an audience every time, every time I hit the stage. Mm-hmm. Totally. I've always been fascinated by that because I feel like creatives and, and actors and artists in some ways do such similar work to what I do as a, as a social worker and as a therapist, just holding space, I think, for the complexity of, of the human experience. Um, yeah. We just go about it in kind of different, different ways. Different yeah, I can, I, yeah, I can, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, I'm really curious how you made that, and this isn't on our list, so you, are, you feel free to decline <laughs> if you want, but um, how did you make that jump from like artist, creative, actor to the mental health side of things? Can you tell us a little bit more about that journey? Yeah. So, okay. So I have to kind of go way back for that, right? Um, so, um, I grew up working with oppressed populations and underserved communities. I grew up in South Central Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were pastor, they pastored a non-dominant, non-denominational church, mm-hmm. um, where we operated several different community programs. So we had a weekly food program for the, for the homeless and those in need. Um, we ran a transition program for those recovering from lifestyles of drug and alcohol abuse. We had youth mm-hmm. leadership programs an outreach program to convalescent homes and long-term assisted care living facilities for elders. And we um, had shelters for abused women and children. So um, I've always been in the mental health space in a way long before I knew it. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, Mm -hmm. that, um, that care for others, that concern for others, that empathizing with others, listening, holding space for people's story and wanting to see them heal and um, be the best versions of themselves. 
that has always been there. That was instilled in me um, from a child. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, my creativity came around this, you know, as a child as well, right? So Mm. um, that came through dance and acting um, and writing. Um, Those are all things that have been within me since a child. And initially I pursued the arts, right? Like Mm -hmm. as a, as a creative, you're taught like, oh, you have this passion, you go solely after this passion um, and you do everything you need to do, but you can only have this one passion, you go after it. First of all, my passions were not just music or not just acting, not mm-hmm. like they were already buried, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and you then fit and, them into a nice little box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, and then pers- in pursuing those, um, there was still always something more that I felt that I had to give, right? Um, and like we said about the identity things, like we're complex beings and many of us have many passions. So don't, I really look at it and really think it's a shame when people are forced to believe that they only have one, mm-hmm. um, you know, think about all the creatives that, you know, we know started as a singer or started at a, as an actress. Now they go on to, you know, be philanthropists and designers and mothers and fathers and, you know, um, different careers in the, in the industry, you know, Mm -hmm. so sometimes we have multiple passions. Um, and I really see it as a gift, right. Um, So being able to fully accept all of my gifts and honor that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really took the time to like, say what, what, what's my purpose in the world, right. Mm Self-reflection. Um, and it, it all came down to, um, serving others. Um, yeah, I do it on stage and I do it in, in more personal um, one-on-one work and couples work. Mm-hmm. Um, Gosh, I love that so much. So holding space for the human experience, as I said earlier, but also this drive to want to make a difference in the world, both yeah. through your art and through your work as a mental health clinician. Absolutely. Um, so, so I, my next question, I feel like is so loaded because it's like you, you belong to so many different communities in the way, you know, in the ways that you shared about your identity. So, mm-hmm. you know, this can, this question opens up like a whole box of things, but I'm curious, like, because you've straddled both, both worlds and your upbringing growing up in South Central and the work that your family did, yeah. like how has mental health affected you your family your community can you shed I know that's a huge question but can you shed some light light on that from your perspective yeah I mean here's the thing right um we had just within my family alone right like we had a lot of issues with addiction um and intergenerational trauma and family secrets of you know getting brushed under the rug and, you know, emotional and verbal abuse and repression of emotions and true feelings um, and, you know, homophobia. And early on, like, I learned that, like, love meant sacrifice of self, which is so not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Just, it's so not true. And then being being surrounded with all the the, the issues that we're facing, you know, the marginalized populations and underserved communities, like there was definitely a need for mental health care. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but given the stigmas around mental health, um, particularly within the Black um, community, mm-hmm. um, well, Black and Latinx community, right? Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> um, makes up, yeah, South Central. Yeah, and mm-hmm. plus the price, right? Right. Um, for many, like church was the only solution for many, which, mm-hmm. you know, could be extremely amazing. And it, you know, like I said, I have a very spiritual and Christian connection. So I have like a very spiritual foundation and that's amazing, but it can also be very problematic um, depending on what resource resources you have, um, what messages about yourself and others you're receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it can be problematic as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What about like your fellow creatives like actors singers dancers that you've you've been in contact with throughout your life like that community how how do you feel like mental health has has affected that community in particular from your perspective yes okay I have oh (laughs) I know these are (laughs) there's there's so many things let's no (laughs) let's dive into it I'm ready okay so the first thing that comes to mind is all the rejection that people in the industry endure Right. Um, And a lot of that rejection is based on core parts of like your identity or your physical appearance. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially um, and historically, like when it comes to people of color and the lack of diversity on screen, which is, you know, finally improving, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But but sometimes, you know, you're really treated as an object or a mannequin and and not a person. and so even though that like, you know, we know and many creatives know that we're like rejection is just a part of the industry, like it's a part of the job, it, you know, you, you can't help but internalize some of that negative criticism. Uh-huh. Um, so everyone always talks about the time someone hit it big or they see them making, you know, they celebrate the victory. But I mean, honestly, creatives are like constantly grieving. Uh-huh. Um, so like every time you don't get a role that you've worked hard for, right, like the letdown of that, but like, imagine what it's like for someone who already deals with low self-esteem and low self-worth to constantly deal with that rejection. Or um, many people experience anxiety every time before um, an audition or performance. Like there's so much uncertainty within the industry. And, you know, it's that uncertainty that can cause, you know, um, a lot of anxiety in ways. (laughs) And then uh, with, the world that we live in with like social media, especially now, but you know, they're always under scrutiny. So constantly feeling judged. Um, And there's a blur between reality and reality show. Right. And then Mm -hmm. the concept of people pleasing. So these, these are, these are mental health issues, right? So if you don't have a strong foundation or support system, those things can really take a toll on your mental health. Um, and we don't, ad- and when we don't address them, then we seek other ways to cope, right? So yeah. drugs, alcohol, um, eating disorders, reckless yes. behavior. And then sometimes we see, you know, the, we experience, we see um, entertainers who experience psychotic breaks. And yes. I mean, half of this is just because like self-care historically has not been prioritized in yeah. the industry. Yeah. And if you, I mean, sleep it comes down to simple things like sleep. Like if you don't get yeah. enough sleep, that can cause a, a predisposition for having breaks. So absolutely, absolutely. Put like this. Um, there's sort of this expectation that you put the art above all else, above yep. yourself, right? 
And yeah, that's yeah. something that I think really interests me in terms of that sort of being the societal expectation, like to constantly like create and give the people what they want and, you know, entertain the masses um, and do it at the expense of your own mental health. And then, you know, from, from what I've seen, I, I'd love to hear more about what you think about this. It just really seems that this conversation around mental health and, yeah. you know, having people on sets or on stage or, you know, just available um, to provide mental health support, it seems like all of that is really lacking. And that's just shocking to me. It is there. I mean, there's no support system built in mm-hmm. unless, you know, an entertainer reaches out for it, meaning as in like they seek it on their own. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you seek therapy on your own or, you know, maybe you have a strong support system of family and friends um, that you constantly reach out to. But, you know, we, we hear the stories of, you know, once you make it to a certain level and people just see you as a commodity that you have all these yes people around you mm-hmm. that really aren't concerned about the person. They're concerned about the money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we some of our favorites, right, that we've seen like that, you know, they've been famous since childhood and they weren't really allowed to be children and they didn't have the support around them. You know, we think about like, you know, Michael Jackson, like everything that's currently going on with Britney Spears and like the Mm -hmm. Olsen twins. And we like we've seen these people, um, you know, pursue their careers and achieve fame and make big monies and they're pursuing their passions but like there's a cost to that when you're not um if you're not caring if you're not being nurtured in any way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's interesting because it's you know I think I think there's movement happening and change happening I think as you know a, a big credit to like the me too movement which really like yeah, highlighted absolutely. the ways in which abuse was occurring on on sets and stages, you know, with regards to kind of sexual agency. Um, but but you know, like the like sets are required to have like a medic on site, right? Or like yeah. have medical care, and it's part of like the call sheet and you know all this stuff. But it's like where where's the mental health folks? Yeah. and why yeah. why is that so overlooked and you know, I'm, I'm curious what you think about that. Like, is, do you think it's a stigma thing? Is it a money thing? Like why, why is there so, why is this overlooked? I mean, I definitely think part of it is the stigma, Mm -hmm. right? Um, People have, you know, historically, like you think mental health and you like, they think it's synonymous with like mental disorder. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and that's that's not the truth, right? That's not the truth. So trauma and stress and burnout, those are health problems. Now mm-hmm. there's specifically mental health problems, but they can also lead to physical health problems over time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um yeah. and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and so and like we're social beings, right? Like we're human human beings. We know um, within the mental health field that like we inherently rely on connection, like our survival depends on it. Um, and so, and these social and relationship problems, 
can be the cause of trauma and stress. And, you know, therapy is a great tool to address those relationship problems as well. But I don't think people make that connection that a mental health problem is, is, you know, is just a health problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it's, it's another organ in your organ system. It's your brain. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really where, where it stems. Right. But yeah. Um, so often overlooked. And yeah, I think, you know, stigma is pervasive. I'm hopeful that we're living in a time where things are, are shifting a little bit, I think with COVID and just the impact that COVID has had on just everyone. Um, I think we're finally seeing like, Oh, you know, mental health is valid. Like no one, no one feels okay. We're collectively dealing with a lot of grief and loss and trauma and adjustment Mm -hmm. and all those things. I think expanding that umbrella to include those definitions within mental health and making people realize that trauma, stress um, are issues of of mental health. And it, you know, so many people think like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and, you know, uh-huh. some of the, the more, ex, you know, extreme like psychotic disorders. And uh-huh. it's also, it's, it's so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah, I even struggle with like, I I hate the term personally, like mental illness, mental disorder, I really, and it's, it's thrown around so much in in the mental health field. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I try to be very cognizant. I mean, the words you use are important, right? Um, And I feel like I'm, I'm constantly trying to kind of keep my language up with like, you know, changes and, and our, our sort of evolution as human beings and mental, mental disorder, mental illness is just, I really don't like those terms. I'm really yeah. liking the term mental well-being. Even oh, more, I love that. Yeah. Even more than mental that. health, because I feel like it kind of, it does encompass more of just like stress and grief and loss and like, and, and having those experiences not mean that there's something wrong with you but mean that like you are a normal human being yeah and you're responding in a very normal and actually healthy way to environmental stress and and change right and so i I, yeah that that word mental well-being i think is is a sort of better yeah i you know i find like with um in my work i end up doing a lot of like psychoeducation about you know, how the brain works and really taking a holistic approach to like your well-being, right? Looking mm-hmm. at the, the mind-brain-body connection mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, the different ways that we cope, right? And we, mm-hmm. we cope for, for a reason, totally. <laughs> um, oh. but there can be healthy coping and then ways that like are, are maladaptive that are unhealthy um, mm-hmm. and something that helped us to cope um, when we were a child or got us through, right. Helped us to survive might not be so useful anymore in our adult lives. And that's sometimes where we run into the issues. And so I find myself explaining that, um, in my work with people, and it really helps them gain a better understanding of, of what mental health and well-being is, as well as a better understanding of how they're functioning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Making those connections. That's great. Um, I'm wondering like your thoughts on, again, kind of talking about the, the intersection between the industry 
entertainment industry and the, the mental health industry, mm-hmm. like what your thoughts are on either actors having to take on particularly difficult or challenging roles or like shows or projects that deal with really distressing content like, you know, sexual assault, uh, racial injustice, like, uh, you know, suicide, just some of these like really heavy topics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so happy you asked that question because I feel like no one really asked, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, think about just as an audience member, right? Like when we watched those 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 shows that explore those like more traumatic themes, right? Mm-hmm. How we feel as an audience member, um, mm-hmm. as a viewer, an observer, like witnessing those those themes of sexual assault or racial injustice or or suicide or abuse, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um how we feel right mm-hmm. and now think about the entertainer the actor mm-hmm. the performer the singer that has to mm-hmm. channel those emotions in order to convey that story to an audience and right? also even even like to take it a step further like the the people who are on set who are having to do the lighting and who are or like the editors, oh, yeah. like the people who are having to edit these scenes and see this content. Like, like editors watch it over and over and over again. Yeah. It's, yeah. But yeah, the, it, you, those things can be really triggering, right? Like when when you uh, embody a role, you know, coming from that standpoint as as the performer itself, right? Like no one talks about some of the thoughts or experiences that like you may have to channel in order to evoke anger or regret or deep sorrow. Like some creatives like have to recall or re-experience um, traumatic thoughts and memories to get into character and to effectively portray a role. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, but there's no, no one asks about how they recover from that. Mm-hmm. Right, like how they snap back into reality, how they how they continue cope. to to cope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, from doing these interviews and having these conversations, really one of the major themes I'm finding is, you know, people have to like you and you mentioned it have to search for it themselves. But if this were like a normal quote unquote job with like an HR, you know, department, yeah this kind of support would would be provided or offered right but because so much of this is like freelance based people are are left to kind of find it on their own and and for me as a mental health practitioner like that just that terrifies me that just makes me feel just horrible that that people are just left without these resources to cope if someone was on set and they you know, broke a bone, they wouldn't just be like sent home and, and, you know, find, find support on your own, you know, but we're essentially doing that to people by, by not offering the support. We are. And I, you know, I, you bring up some, such an important point with like the editors, like I hadn't even thought about that. Like most of them are in a room by themselves for hours upon hours upon days, sometimes just you know, um, trying to help convey that story and witnessing those things over and over again, you know? Yeah. Um, 
yeah and then what happens like what happens when they go home what are their dreams like you know <laughs> how are they yeah. coping like I, yeah. yeah one of my one of my kind of <laughs> one of my you know probably greatest strengths and also greatest downfall is just my my empathy and I, I just sit here sometimes and I think about this and it just like keeps me up at night <laughs> oh <laughs> no <laughs> what, do people, what do people do like where how you know uh, and it, and so much of this too I, it's like like you and I can see obviously this is an issue there needs to be more support there needs to be some change but yeah. it's like the thing that I struggle with is like how do we make that change happen <laughs> like we have to get people to care and unfortunately people don't always care we don't always look at things from a preventative lens especially in this country true, true. we something bad has to happen for us to finally you know take it serious and it's just really unfortunate yeah. Well, you know, I, I do appreciate now that there are a lot of creatives speaking about speaking out about their own mental health journeys. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And then there's what you're doing in, in your work here. Right. So just the more we bring attention to it, um, hopefully we get we do get to the point where there's some mental health support um, on these sets. Right. Yeah. Um, and having that as a, as an option on the call sheet, right? Because um, because it is it is important, right? And when we're our our best selves, we show up better for ourselves and for others around us. Um, it it really really helps just the human experience as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. It's there's so many times I look at things and it's like, it doesn't have to be this way. It can be so much better. And what would it look like? You know? Yeah. Um, I think about like some of the times that um, like I've had to, you know, do shows that like, and how exhausted and and draining you can feel after um, taking on and conveying so many emotions. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and what a state that can leave someone in um, and what a difference having support after that is versus reaching for reaching for a drink. Mm-hmm. Not that a drink is problematic, but it can be. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, right. So it would be so nice to have those systems of support mm-hmm. in place. Yeah. It's almost like there's kind of parallel things I think that we're talking about in terms of struggles in the industry and part of it has to do with like you know the the traumatic themes or traumatic content that people have to deal with but then also I think it's like this this culture uh in the industry of like working really long hours being available all the time and constantly constantly being on right we know this (laughs) yeah um, and, you know, when I think of being on, it means, you know, putting on a show, right? Mm-hmm. Presenting a, an image of self that is pleasing for everyone else, mm-hmm. um, where you're not necessarily being authentic to yourself within those moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's got it. Yeah. Just so draining for sure. Just having to do that all the time. 
Yeah. No matter how much you love what you do, right? And no matter how much money you're making, um, it can be overwhelming and exhausting. Yeah. So from like a personal level or personal perspective, you know, we've been talking about all these stressors. For you as an artist creative, how have you, you know, how have you coped? What have been your ways of your mental well-being? Um, so it's funny. I have this, <laughs> this saying, which I say, do all the things, right? That means have, um, have a variety of things that you know that um, offer you support, right? Because sometimes one, one thing works out, mm-hmm. but sometimes you need to try something else. And then you're like, ah, oh, that didn't quite work the way I think it was. I need to add something else to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when you're really stressed, I say to people, okay, do all the things. Yeah. <laughs> and that means doing all the healthy things that you need to kind of get yourself back to like that balance level. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so for me, I have a strong foundation of family and close friends that I value very much. Um I do always stress the importance of working out and sleep. Um, I'm a CrossFitter, so uh, I like lifting heavy weights. (laughs) Um, Then I do that, um, you know, on a good week, like five to six days a week. Um, Me and you have kind of talked about like the benefit of sleep, right? Like it's needed to recover, to improve memory. It affects our mood and our well-being and our our feelings, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which in turn affects our thoughts and our behaviors. So. I'm big on sleep um, mm-hmm. just for mental clarity and to be able to have a renewed sense of self. Um, I think one of the biggest things is like setting boundaries. Oh, um, that's a good one. <laughs> boundaries are huge, especially in the creative industry when you're, when you're taught to just go, 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 or like you, you, you can't sleep. You got to keep going or you got to say yes to every opportunity that goes your way. You got to, you got to go to work hard. Then you got to go to this networking event and you got to stay out and you got to do everything that you got to do to make it. And you know, like (laughs) at some point you got to check in with yourself and find out what your boundaries are, or you'll just run yourself into the ground. Like, yes, there is a time for it to like go hard. Right. But if you're consistently doing that, like it's, it's at a cost. Um, And then I also have a a relationship with mindfulness and deep breathing and uh, meditation and, and positive mantras. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I realized that the most important thing to me is my peace of mind. Um, And so I have a commitment to, to maintain my peace of mind. So sometimes you know, just talking to a friend helps. Sometimes I'm like, I need to talk to a friend and go get a massage. Sometimes I need to take a nap and talk to a friend, you know, like, mm. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. Like do all the things. So it's yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. I often, one of my uh, most notorious kind of activities that I do with my clients is, is talking about developing like a coping toolkit. It's like yeah, an invisible toolkit. You always have it with you, but we're going to put lots of different things in it. Sometimes you're going to have to empty out the whole toolkit, you know. I love that. Yeah. And and sort through which one's going to work. So um, the big thing also is like getting out in nature. Yes. Um, I find that really grounding. So, um, you know, I'm in L.A., so I, I live a few minutes from the beach. So 
I'll go enjoy the sunset or just dig my feet in the sand. Um, and I find that with a lot of, a lot of my clients, they really enjoy being out in nature. Um, Mm -hmm. and that helps to like make them feel grounded. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to go back to what you said about boundaries because that is so huge, so important. Another theme that I talk to so many of my clients about. Yeah, me too. Like (laughs) how, because for, for many, like they don't know that boundaries are being crossed or that a boundary is needed. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, either, you know, from work with your clients or from your own perspective about how do you know when a boundary is needed or a boundary is being crossed? Like how, how do we know that? That's, that's a great question. Um, And some of it goes back to what we're talking about, about that feeling, the the overwhelm, the exhaustion, Mm -hmm. feeling stressed, feeling that burnout, you know, um, you know, when those, those type of feelings like kick in, those are our bodies trying to communicate that yeah. something is needed in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm constantly like questioning something, right? If it seems stressful and overwhelming, that is my body, um, my stress response system communicating with me that something is off. And that's mm-hmm. a good sign to reflect and maybe um, realize that there's some boundaries um, about that need to t- be set. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can sit with yourself and kind of figure out what those are and what that boundary would look like for you. And the things boundaries don't have to be these rigid things. Right. Mm -hmm. We see Mm -hmm. what works for us and we adapt and adjust it as it needs, as as what's healthy for us. Right. So if the boundary feels right, then we keep it. If a boundary feels too rigid, then that's a sign to like adjust it. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me think of also just boundaries. You know, I love I love what you you said in terms of like identifying red flags within yourself, like you know, listening to your body, the yeah. the cues that your body gives you that it's like, hey, I need sleep, or hey, I need water, or hey, I need to just go for a walk or a run or whatever. Yeah. But also like with with relationships too. Um, and I I don't know why this quote just kind of floated into my head, but. Michelle Obama has this quote of saying, like, relationships should feel good. Yeah. Um, And that doesn't mean that, like, relationships don't have ups and downs, ups and downs or or conflict, because conflict isn't always a bad thing. And that's how you, you know, learn what what other people's boundaries are and things like that. But but in general, relationships should feel good. And so also kind of a good place to evaluate boundaries is with relationships and like the maybe the relationships that don't that more often than not than not don't feel very good yeah that's a sign that there there needs to be some boundaries and I think the hard part about that when when we kind of go circle back to the industry conversation is a lot of those relationships can cannot feel very good you know, there's a lot yeah. of tell me about expectation it. yeah I'm sure I'm sure like yeah. there's you know and and instances of like bullying on set and things like this um you know and so that's really hard because you know you're trying to make it in this industry but you're working day in and day out with yeah people that don't make you feel very good 
Yeah. So like to that, um, one of my, uh, <laughs> I don't know who shared this with me, but it is by far one of my favorite quotes. Um, and it's no is a complete sentence. Yes. Right. So, um, and saying no is the one of the most, is one of the most significant things I've learned to do. Mm. Um, it's, I am still powerful. I am still resilient. I am strong. I'm a higher achiever. I will always put my best foot forward, but that doesn't mean that I don't deserve respect, nurture, compassion, um, and care both from myself and from others. Right. So, Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means saying no, like I used to say yes to everything because this idea of making it right, like you're just exposed and you go through whatever you have to go through to make it, whatever that may mean to you. Um, And like saying, and that meant even saying to yes, yes to things that didn't feel right. So now like, you know, I trust myself and I walk away when things don't feel right anymore. Like when people are condescending or disrespectful, when they're not professional, when the money isn't right, when the paperwork isn't right, when there are tons Mm -hmm. of excuses, I respectfully excuse myself. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of like someone, you know, maybe moving to, LA as so many people do to mm-hmm. pursue their passion or their creative spirit you know yeah um, like what would what advice would you give them because I feel like that's that is so hard like you have learned to do that and that's beautiful yeah. but just I've seen even just in my own inner circle people just allow themselves or, or not allow, it's not the right word, but sort of for the sake of making it for the sake yeah. of career, for the sake of, um, you know, pushing through just getting really mistreated, um, and not knowing how to say no. So how have you learned to kind of balance that saying no with also knowing that you can still, you know, pursue this? Does, does that question make sense? No, no, it doesn't make sense. Okay. You know, first, first of all, I realized, you know, like, saying no doesn't mean lazy right yeah (laughs) like I said that's why I reinforced all those things that like no I'm one of the hardest workers you'll meet right and I really respect you know um every industry that I worked in and my and my crafts right like I I work on them um and I'm always going to do my best um so um saying you don't have to say yes to every opportunity and everything that comes your way, if it doesn't feel right, like it's okay to have discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we hear those stories of, of the people that you're talking about. And I've experienced that too, where it really like dampens your spirit and dampens your light because you say yes to things that don't feel right and you get taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Right. And that really kills your creative spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can, learn to trust yourself and say no to those things. Um, ultimately it, it ends up saving you from, from, from that sadness, from, from that dampening of, of your light and your spirit from, from mm-hmm. questioning your own talents and your own self-worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows you to really know who you are, um, what you have to bring to the table and not to settle for anything that anything less than that. Yeah know what you deserve listen, yeah. yeah listen to your intuition listen to your gut 
if if something's telling you to say no, go ahead, like say no. And maybe that's a muscle that you kind of grow over time. Yeah. I just like, I think about all those opportunities that, um, that I said yes to, and ultimately like nothing great came of them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Just, just mm-hmm. me, me feeling ultimately like, bad about myself or like you know do I want to be in this industry or do I you know like so nothing really good comes from those things um at least not anything like really worthwhile Mm -hmm. I'm thinking sort of like more macro too as you're talking you know like how how do we create change in the industry and maybe if, if more, I mean, obviously, you know, attacking some of the stigma that exists, because that's very real, but also like, helping people to learn how to say no, yeah. and helping people to put up those boundaries, like yeah. people might almost, I mean, inevitably, obviously, you know, help themselves to feel better and find their worth, but also maybe it will sort of push the envelope for the, the industry itself, like we need to mm-hmm. do better because <laughs> people are Absolutely. I mean, like, even thinking about, like, the Me Too movement, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there, there was an expectation for women supposed, like, that we were supposed to be okay with being taken advantage of, Mm -hmm. right? And having to use our sexuality to get ahead. Um, And, you know, um, and we, we see what happened, right? People were really taken advantage of and abused, um so many stories wow yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and if those boundaries were like set in place right mm-hmm. um from like a macro level right that it, it's not okay mm-hmm. yeah uh, so many so many women I feel like wouldn't have had to endure that mm-hmm. totally totally well we have about 15 minutes left so I'm going to keep us on on track here I I'm curious um you you mentioned that you are a coach can you Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the work you do and like you know if you want you can put a little plug in here for your business or if if anyone's interested in like working with you how they would get in touch with you yeah so um my company is Hatley, like my last name, H-A-T-T-L-E-Y, Hatley Coaching Coaching and Consulting. Um, and the website is HatleyCoachingAndConsulting.com. And uh, all my social media, social media handles are um, at Hatley C and C. Um, so that's how to reach me. Um, but I, you know, so it's, it's individual, like life, life coaching, as well as like executive coaching. If you're, um, experience issues around career and like leadership, um, and a lot of surprisingly, a lot of like career stuff is also relational mm-hmm. as well. Right. Um, yes. your, your position you hold within your company, um, and how you deal with employees and employers and, you know, um, consultants, um, and the impact that you want to make, um, and then relationship coaching as well. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's coaching is not therapy as in, we don't, I don't, um, diagnose or, or treat, 
um, mental health disorders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can refer you to therapy, um, which I, you know, I'm a psychotherapist, but that's, that's not what coaching is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really giving you um, the, the tools um, and the space to, to challenge yourself um, and to be the best version of yourself and to work on better communication and have better relationship um, uh, communications on the way you relate to others, right? And how you view your environment and view yourself within your environment and looking at your goals and, you know, setting strategic steps to, to reach those goals. So coaching does take a lot of action on your part, right? Mm-hmm. Like I provide the resources to support the tools um, and I'm kind of like your accountability partner, mm-hmm. um, but it does, it does require some action on your part, right? Like think of us as a team, right? Right, right. So if, you know, if we're on a field and I'm coaching you, you still got to play. Right, right, like, right. <laughs> we can't win if you don't play. I could scream out all, all the all tools and the long. support, give you all the resources from the sidelines. I could tell you what to do. You know, you can know what to do. But if you don't play, if you don't take the action, we will, we won't win. right. <laughs> right. So do you, is there a particular population of, of folks that you work with for coaching? Like, or is it, is it just really anybody who um, being is interested in, or with you? It's, it's really anyone who's, um, who's interested. Okay. Um, but uh, I am unique in the way that <laughs> of all my identities, right? Yeah. Um, right. So creatives, I definitely attract creatives um, yeah. and especially living in Los Angeles. Um, and then there's not a lot of people of color or black women of color within, um, within the coaching or mental health industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am one of, one of the few, um, yeah. also like my queer identity and, you know, um, just the way I advocate and I'm a, affirmative, um, and, all, all things relationship wise, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's monogamy, tradition, whether it's BDSM kink, polyamorous relationships, um, all the different dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then, you know, the, the, the spiritual side of things as well. So um, my identities, <laughs> um, people typically seek certain things, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and they want to know that in coaching, just like, you know, when you seek like out a new therapist or whatever, that um, that person is going to be affirmative um, and really totally. create a safe space um, totally. for you to be your authentic, your most authentic self. Um, 100%. And that's, that's what I do. I create a safe space for you to be your most authentic self. Um, and for you to embrace your most authentic self and flourish and thrive as your most authentic self. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm super, super glad to be connected to you, not only because of, you know, this conversation we're having today, but also for the things that you mentioned. Um, there, there are not a lot of uh, POC therapists. Yeah. Um, Anytime I get a person of color as a client, these are conversations that I have sort of even at the beginning. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I could be the most like affirming, you know, supportive therapist. But at the end of the day, I'm 
I am not black. So (laughs) sometimes, you know, sometimes people want someone who looks like them. And that's really important. That goes kind of to the representation piece that we were talking about even in, in Hollywood. So um, I'm, I'm just really glad to be connected to you even as a referral source, maybe in the future. So thank you. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So um, we're pretty much running out of time here, but my last question is kind of a fun one. So okay. I feel like I know what you're going to say. Maybe, well, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I might surprise you. You might no. surprise me. I don't know. We'll see. So if you could buy a billboard and relay a message, like a billboard on the 405 that everyone sees as they're stuck on the lovely 405, uh, what would you say or what would you want it to say? Um, okay, so the words are not actually from myself. Okay, it is my favorite quote. It's at the bottom of like my email signatures and everything. Like I came across this quote and I was like, "Yes, this is the one." Awesome. It's by El- Albert Einstein, <laughs> um, and it's a problem cannot be solved by the same level of consciousness that created it. Um. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that really speaks to how we as human beings need resources, support, time for self-reflection, and, you know, the tools to be able to process the things that affect us in order to learn, to grow, um, evolve, and to find better solutions when needed. Um, And so I, I, I love that quote. I love that. That really, that really makes you think it really makes you stop and go, Hmm, I'm having this problem. What do I need to include in, in sort of my surroundings or my environment and within myself to be able to solve it? I love that. That's really great. Especially, you know, if we take it back to the industry, right. And how it's like, this dog eat dog world or everyone for themselves and like we really aren't created like that Mm-mm. oh you know we as one person we don't have all the answers um, um and and that's something that we need to know that we are community right like mm-hmm. within families within friends within you know the communities that we live in within our community as a whole as humanity mm-hmm. um there's there's resource in that totally 100% I love that well JR it was so so nice to talk to you and I'm just again I'm so glad to be connected and thank you again for having this conversation here thank you Shana yeah maybe we can come back and do a part two at some point see how this project kind of goes um but yeah I I hope I look forward to talking to you again someday same here. And thank you for creating the space for um, this topic and this conversation yeah. to really um, take place. So thank you for, for all that you do um, on this level and in your work as a, you know, a clinical social worker. Um, it speaks a lot to, to who you are um, that you would take on this task, you know, um, in addition to everything else that you do. Yeah, it's it's the inner social worker in me. I'm just I'm like this. I see a problem. Let's let's figure out how to change this. <laughs> I love it. I love part. it. Well, thanks for including me in it. Of course, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. So yeah, have a wonderful rest of your day, and hopefully we'll we'll chat soon.
You too. Thank you so All much. Right. Okay. Right. Take Bye. care. Bye.